This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. My next guest on the program is a broker, underwriter, and risk manager who specializes in hard-to-place multi-state cannabis insurance programs. More than 14 years' experience in the excess and surplus lines insurance segment. And with me right now, he is the vice president of national practice leader for cannabis for GenCap Specialty Insurance Services, Eric Schutz. Eric, thanks for being on with us. Oh, pleasure, Jordan. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, my pleasure. So leading off into where you are right now with uh, GenCap, you spoke of the Insuring Cannabis Summit. And one of the areas you spoke about specifically was uh, you were on a panel called a broker workshop, getting your small business clients access to better insurance products. And in that panel, you mentioned how MSOs get bend over backward treatment or a session mentioned that. But what are insurance brokers looking to do to get the same treatment for small to mid-sized clients to do? And that there was a lot that couldn't be done. And there was what was being brought up for clients, businesses to go ahead and get more ways than one access to insurance. So what can you tell me as any highlights that you might have contributed to in that panel talking about that at the IACS? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the biggest things in the insurance space, and and, and I don't care if, if you're we're talking cannabis or sneakers, mercantile risk, the larger accounts get get better and more attention, uh, right or wrong. You know, in the cannabis space, that's wrong because the, these bigger MSOs are much more savvy. They have, you know, bet, better intelligence. Some of them often have risk management teams or at least a risk manager. So they're really well equipped to, you know, f- fight the good fight, get the good, you know, the good coverage that's out there, better pricing, but but not the same for the little guys. And that's part of the reason why, you know, GenCap, we, we lean in for everybody because it really is those mom and pops operators that have the most, the most to lose, um, the most at risk. And, you know, if they get a bad insurance policy or have a denied claim that they, they didn't expect that should be covered if they had the right insurance contract. Um, that could wipe them out of, out of business. So it's kind of two different veins. It, you know, they still need similar coverages. You know, you need the meat, meat and potatoes, product liability, uh, property, general liability and such. Uh, but then it really just depends. So, I mean, some of the things I, I would highlight is, you know, one of the common themes is working, working with, with an expert, especially on the small business, because it's actually quite easy for somebody in the space to get um, access to markets that right small business. Everybody wants a small business, the easy transactional stuff, um, but the real meat is large accounts. So getting getting access to those markets is not easy for a generalist agent to do. Um, so you, you have to kind of re- retool. And as I said, we look at the small small um, shops in the same way as the big ones. They all have a need. They all have risk um, and they need to be protected. So we, we find ways to get, get creative in a space where, you know, sometimes some markets won't look at an account that doesn't generate a $10,000 premium. Uh, I, I can understand that from the carrier side, um, but these, these little, you know, little operations still need the good coverage and, um, you know, that's what we're here to provide. Now, in what we've talked about here on the program over on Blunt Business or here on Grassroots Marketing, you know, there's been a lot that's been talking about where we've looked for relief in the insurance end. And I know with uh, various guests we had on, 
the program, one of the things I remember talking about was in an episode I talked about on Blunt Business over in 2021, when Congress was looking with a bipartisan group of senators, they introduced the clarifying law around Insurance of Marijuana Act, the Claim Act. It was supposed to in, intend to encourage insurance for, for members of the cannabis industry operating in compliance with state and local law. But I, you know, I haven't seen if there's anything that has come across as of late to follow up on that, or if there's any other kind of relief that's out there as we're waiting for, you know, what the, the working around what there is, what is there so far now for companies that could be looking towards Washington for some kind of relief or help? Yeah. I mean, the claims act was, was great in principle in, in most uh, areas. It, it was good, you know, good spirit, good, good for the, uh, the country, the insureds. Um, essentially what it did was made, you know, remove the restrictions and the potential legal hurdles for a, say, multinational or national insurance carrier to be providing coverage to um, a, a business that is trafficking in controlled substances. So they, that's kind of the, the dichotomy there. So the intent was to clear it up, but um, unfortunately, it, it died on the vine. So, you know. Uh, now, it, it was introduced in May 2021, reintroduced this past May. And was there anything in terms of what they did in terms of change? Because they were talking about how cannabis operators can access workers' compensation, property, casualty, title insurance. Was there anything that was changed in the reissuance of that and where it stands? Uh, I, I don't think there was much change that I have to dig into the, the minutia to confirm uh, factually, but it's not going to go anywhere. I mean, if we can, in my opinion, if we can't get safe banking passed, all of this other stuff is secondary, secondary to that. And, you know, we have we have a federal shutdown coming potentially. We have inflation. We don't have a Speaker of the House. We have all these different macro and micro um, impacts to the to the environment that are changing how the the entire landscape is is viewed. So if we can't get safe banking, there's no claims. And, you know, and honestly, I think at this point, the, the newest version of safe, safe banking is, you know, has a real, real tough time because, again, we've got no, no Speaker of the House. We're at a place where, unfortunately, cannabis is on the list, but it's not high compared to, um, you know, funds for for the the war in Israel, the Ukraine conflict war, all, all that such. So, um, I, I don't think anything's actually going to happen in this this session, unfortunately. Now, the other thing I was looking at as well, we've talked about quite a bit, has been if there anything comes across. We know that IRS Code Two Eighty E would be eliminated. If the DEA chooses to go the on the recommendation of the Biden administration to deschedule cannabis from Schedule One to Schedule Three, would that have any effect on insurance services? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if you remove 280E, one that that just changes the entire um, financial picture of of the operation. So you know, now their their effective tax rate goes from something like you know sixty percent down to thirty. So that means more more money for insurance. Um, so if you've got you know more more money in the budget to spend, you know I like to think that some of it will get allocated to insurance. On the other side, you know if we remove 280E, I do believe that that is a hurdle for some carriers out there. I don't think all of them, but I think some of them um, have a, a genuine concern about taking quote unquote dirty drug money um, from people because some of these insurance companies are owned by banks. Um, so it's just a it's a kind of a you know, a regulatory potpourri of, of sorts, um, and you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how it how it develops. But now, would that change anything in terms of insurance companies? You know, being much more 
receptive to offering services to cannabis businesses? Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, the services that we're providing, um, you know, are, are the actual coverage and placement. You know, I don't think it's difficult to get risk management services in the space. So, no, it wouldn't it wouldn't change um, change that. But as I said, it might it might allow some carriers to jump in that work before. But I don't think it's going to have a giant. Uh, it's not going to make waves. Let's put it that way. Okay. Because I'm just wondering if there was anything where if there was some kind of where if the government was actually offering a little more leniency or a little more breathing room for cannabis businesses, you know, if that's one of those things where even though safe banking, we don't know if it's going to be going to pass. But if it's something where you feel like if we had the government that was actually giving something to that would actually benefit cannabis and open the doors where you're seeing, OK, we're getting down a pathway towards legalization. This is a move forward. Would that open up some other companies to come I mean, just would banking services be would banks be a little more receptive to it would be insurance companies be more receptive obviously you know other companies might want to work with cannabis because they'll have more money on the write-offs to use for other things marketing branding compliance whatever there might be yeah yeah i i so I don't want to be a stick in the mud but i, I yeah i don't i don't see it yeah. changing it changing much um it just it just based on you know it's it's not a cure-all 280E is just one of the challenges that is, you know, stems from from the federal pro- prohibition. So, yeah, I, I would love for it to make 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 changes and uh, want carriers to jump in or what. If it's it's not, you know, the you know the rescheduling to Schedule Three that will definitely change things because now we have a product that is no longer federally elite. That's that's the the difference, you know. It, it, 280E would just come with that, you know. That would that would roll along with it. Um, but I don't know. As I said, I, I think it's um, not the panacea that that we might might hope for it to be, but you know, yet to be seen. Now, another thing I'm talking about with other insurance folks here on the program is about the idea of a uh, director and operators insurance (DNO), and where it's been much more prominent to be seen that a lot more policy being put out that way, and. Well, I know that was something that's also just continued to be where I've seen that in some stories they're talking about how the, the, the amount of that insurance has been decreased. There hasn't been as much being doled out. Uh, what can you tell me about DNO insurance in terms of what you provide and what, what's being, uh, if there is something where, you know, obviously when you have top level executives being protected by this type of insurance as a business, you know, what can you tell me about what you do in that respect and where the state of that is right now, and possibilities for companies to get that kind of coverage. Yeah, great, great questions and uh, great topic. So the DNO space has greatly improved for operators. You now pricing has come down substantially. You know, in in some areas, 40 percent, um, based on just you know a- availability of markets. And you know, there is some uh, downward pricing pressure on the the entire DNO market, which you know does impact cannabis. But cannabis is kind of its own little dark corner of the e- ENS world. So, you know, we've seen, you know, in the last year, probably four, maybe five new markets. So we went from a place where, you know, for a nonprofit DNO four years ago, you had three, maybe four markets. Now, you know, got a, a dozen that, you know, right, right with varying coverages. Um, one of our, our partners um, we just met with and we're rolling out a, a GenCap amendatory pack. So that'll be exclusive to GenCap um, clients. They'll be able to get you know that that base form with some nice bells and whistles, and then they get our our extension at no extra cost, which will have some even more 
additional coverages, sublimits, um, you know, some some people call it, you know, window dressing, bells and whistles, but there's some bona fide coverage in there. And that's something we're really excited about because the DNO space um, is growing. You know, we, we I'd say we went from a place probably where, you know, at an individual basis, you're buying one, one DNO a month. Um, now producers are doing one or, one or two a week. So uh, I, and I think that's really a factor of the, the coverage becoming more, um, more palatable uh, price, pricing in coverage. So, you know, because of competition, because of new markets, you know, we've seen the, the, the coverage increase rapidly. Um, you know, they used to have out of the gate, every policy or most policies had bankruptcy exclusions, regulatory exclusions. Um, we're seeing most all of those go away. You know, it, went, it, was, it trended from excluding it, subliming it, and now, you know, getting getting full limits is, is more common. So it's actually one of the, the brighter places in the space because, as you said, there are areas where, where capacity is getting limited, um, not, not DNO. So I um, actually just had a call with the new market that um, launched last week that we're very excited about writing uh, for-profit and non-profit. So uh, the non-profit side is much different, uh, excuse me, not uh, nonprofit, for profit, but private versus public. Um, the public space is a uh, its own animal, and that that um, yeah. that marketplace has actually become you know much more saturated lately as um, the DNO prices have come down. People are really fighting for those public accounts, so that's another uh, bright area in the marketplace. But now, while we've gone through these obstacles, for the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture, and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here in this interview, there is some positive notes to come in from insurance and the state of insurance right now for cannabis. From businessinsurance.com, they had a story in June that talking about how the supply of insurance to the cannabis sector grows between 80 and 100% a year and the added capacity has increased competition and helps soften pricing. So there are more insurers in the space now than ever before. Rates for property and liability coverage have fallen as much as 50% from two years ago when tight availability led to high pricing. And the other thing to talk about is reinsurance capacity that has also expanded, though there are still some hurdles that remain. There's a number of reinsurers in the market and interest in the sector is king among smaller reinsurers, and the overall is slightly harder than the primary market for cannabis operators. There's also conflicts between state and federal laws. So uh, they talked to uh, a client, a senior client executive for reinsurance brokerage, and the point that was being made was that, quote, the macro view of reinsurance capacity is that the predominance of reinsurance will remain on the sideline until the federal government reclassifies cannabis Rules it entirely for the Controlled Substance Act or legal, le legislation is enacted to federally to establish a federal safe harbor for insurance or reinsurance. So, when you look at that, is that something you also deal with as well for those companies to be able to go and continue to have their policies renewed, reinsured, and you know, companies are being a little more receptive. At least there's more services out there, making pricing a little bit easier to go and handle. You have to have insurance; there's no choice, but. Do you see that there's something where that there's where more insurers are getting more convinced to jump into the space? Yeah, I mean it's kind of two different questions: the reinsurance space versus you know the actual primary primary insurance space. But you know the reinsurance side, you know what I'm seeing uh, via my my trading partners, you know MGAs, MGUs, and such is uh, you know they're getting 
more more property capacity, more liability capacity. Um, they're getting better better terms, low, lower rates. Um, so the reinsurance um, space for cannabis is is pretty favorable right now. You know, and a lot of people might might laugh at me for saying that, but um, when you think about how far we've come, and now we're in a place where we've got multiple markets. Um, offering limits above forty million dollars in, in in TIV for a single location. That's huge. You know, we go back four years ago. You'd have to get you know ten from one, ten from another, maybe fifteen from a third, and, and five from the last. Um, so it's it was very very fragmented. Now on the actual uh, you know insurance side, the primary insurance side, not the reinsurance side. You know, prices are are dropping. Um, you know, cannabis PNC is this wonderful bright spot in in the marketplace. Now, earlier I talked about we live in this dark spot in, in the excess and surplus lines world over the corner, but with, in that little dark corner there is a bright light, and it's our P- PNC rates and tariffs. Um, you know, renewal pricing for for liability um, on flat sales it should be flat with pretty much every market. Um, property the same, even even cat cat exposed property. Um, we're seeing flat flat rates, and it's it's very interesting because if I get a you know lesser's risk only, say a strip mall with five locations in Massachusetts, you know I'm going to potentially be at just say a, um, a a 45 cent property rate. That's about how much you're going to going to pay per thousand. Now, if I have that exact same business, you know that same lesser's risk only with you know all shoe stores and mercantile risk, but one cannabis dispensary. All of a sudden, now I can get preferred rates. I can get a deal at thirty-five, forty cents, uh, which doesn't make any sense because people are like, "This is this is cannabis. This is hard to place. We're supposed to be having worse coverage and you know uh, higher pricing." And it's like, "Oh, contraire! There there are some bright bright areas." So, uh, lesser risk only in cannabis is a really bright bright place. Um, and as I said, this is the, our renewals are coming in. You know, say there's no increased exposures, we're getting you know flat flat renewals, and you know if the the sales have increased. Um, you know, seeing seeing reductions of five to fifteen percent on the right accounts. So uh, there's a lot more high fives going on in, in my space than it is in the hospitality world or contractors, especially cat exposed coastal property. I want to go ahead and rewind back to when we first started about talking about the Insuring Cannabis Summit and your uh, participation in that panel on helping for small businesses. And one of the areas that I also took from this business insurance article is about how they talk about coverage for catastrophe exposed companies and also for crime so basically they're talking about how where say in states like florida or california there are there are catastrophe exposed properties in all industries facing hard market conditions so tough to go ahead and get insurance i could tell you the same thing for homeowners in florida where i'm at is also a big issue right now with a lot of companies coming out and some coming in that might not even hold on to the policies those 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 homeowners have so that i can imagine for business owners is also an issue the other thing they talk about is that if there's sublimits in crime policies for cannabis businesses can be as low as $5,000, and that those limits can be considered pretty low. And that crime coverage can present a challenge because almost all cannabis insurance is provided through bespoke policy forms. And the forms have different definitions of stocks and goods from a theft point of view. So this is on the smaller end, I would imagine, this focuses more on. Uh, can you explain on that for us, just in these areas? Yeah. Um so I mean, the, the, the crime coverage is you, you. There's you know, crime is a you know, I'm doing air quotes is is a blanket term because there's you know, there's true crime coverage, which is you know, employee theft, employee dishonesty, you know, cash cash in on premises, cash off prem, premises, 
transfers, things like that. That's a true robust, um, and I, I paraphrase, but that's a true robust crime policy, whether we're talking cannabis or not. And then you, you get the other places where you find some crime, crime-like coverage, and that's going to be, you know, under the property enhancement um, or built into the property form some, some, somewhere other than that. Um, yeah, it's a small, it's a small throw-in. It's not, you know, true crime coverage. But I would actually say for the small, the smaller businesses, that's probably the best place to transfer that risk because the true crime policy is going to cost more than the small operators can afford. You know, if it's if it's going to be more than five thousand dollars, which it will be, um, they're not going to they're not going to pay for it. So the the coverage is out, out there. Um, but from our standpoint at GenCap, we're seeing clients take it up more on the um, the large account size. And you're right, though the the, the definitions and how it's treated it is um, is troublesome, especially when you're either writing something on a um, you know, primary excess basis for property, or you just have multiple carriers. Just going back to the you know the, the quote unquote good old days where we'd have to take a forty million dollar risk and and chop it up to four carriers, uh, that would be a great example of you might have different definitions, different loss settlements, and as an agent broker, you have to be really cognizant of that and live in the forms and be really good about you know articulating the the the, the pros and cons of each policy to your client. So I want to go ahead and direct to the website. You mentioned how Jim Cap's out there, and obviously it's a large firm for those that really don't and may not pay attention to how big and how expansive GenCap is, not just in the cannabis practice, but over 1,200 members you have on your team, 49 offices nationwide, fourth largest wholesaler, 20,000 agents, over $3 billion in total written premiums in various sectors, including cannabis. So Directing people to the website, gencapgroup.com, J-E-N-C-A-P group.com. And for those that want to connect with your you and your team, Eric, when they go to that website, what should they do and what can you provide in terms of the, the whole portfolio of services? Yeah, no, no problem. Thanks. Yeah, uh, GenCap Cannabis, just Google GenCap and Cannabis or go to the website and there's a, a, a landing page for, for our, our group. Um, has contact info, forms, apps, um, excuse me, not applications, but forms. We've got all our marketing materials, uh, a lot of blog content, videos. Um, and honestly, that's a page that's really good for agents, operators, and my my competitive brokers out there. Um, it's it's good, you know, good, solid info, especially in some of the case studies. Um, it also goes into some of our exclusive programs we have in the cannabis space. We have a, a site pollution program, um, first in the country that we, we developed, and a hydrogen non-owned program uh, for, for cannabis delivery and also um, couriers of various types. Uh, GenCap as a whole, we're, we're a transactional brokerage program shop. Um, correction, fifth, fifth largest in the country, but I'll, I'll, I'll take the compliment. I'm I'm just happy to be, you know, top 10 is a, a great compliment to me and estimate yes. to what um, John Jennings and the team over at GenCap has built. So, you know, we've got lots, lots of exclusive programs, whether it's artisan contractors, uh, New York contractors, um, Self storage facilities, equipment breakdown, miscellaneous professional—you you name it. We probably have a, a pen or program for it. Then we've got our offices all over the country for transactional brokerage binding, uh, as well as a, a very robust personal lines division, se- separate um, professional lines, and um, yeah, pretty much a l- little bit of everything. It's hard hard to keep track of it all. Um, I just generally say yes and and find and find the right resource. So I'm in here with Eric Schutz, Vice President of National. Practice leader for cannabis for GenCap, specialty insurance services. 
really, Eric, thank you for really spending your time with us and giving your expertise on the insurance market. It's been a little bit since we had a chance to go ahead and really just refresh out there. And hopefully we get some people to go ahead and, uh, you know, check out Gen Cup for themselves and also find out your expertise as well and see how they can get help. Because obviously there might be more insurance companies coming in, but you want those that have been established and have been in the space for a while and, you know, definitely have a, a lot of standing in insurance in general. And obviously Gen Cap proves that. Thank you again, Eric. And thanks for being on. Oh, dear. It was a pleasure. You have a great day. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.